The following is a fourth hand production. Yo, hi, welcome back to Stone Day Podcast with Nick Bermea. Hi, hello, I'm Nick Bermea. What a week it's been. What a week it's been. Traveling, driving on the road, feeling sad, celebrity deaths, comedy shows, blackouts, viruses going viral. What a week it's been. And uh, I'll start it off with uh, uh, the, the my weekend. Yeah, my weekend was cool. If you listened to last episode, you know that I was in the Big Easy. I was big chilling in the Big Easy. And, oh uh, my god, I can't even... I don't even know where to start. Day one, what a blast. Microdosed on, you guessed it, LSD. So I just took a little baby bite of that. Had that going through my brain. So I was seeing into the future, maybe about five minutes. I could tell when crosswalks were about to turn white or uh, the ghost sign. So we could cross before anyone else did. Jim Jeffries was in town. Norm MacDonald was in town. I'm uh, not Norm MacDonald. Fuck. <laughs> um, Mark Normand. But he was... He didn't do any shows. Jim Jeffrey was at a theater right by the Airbnb me and my lady were staying at. And it was such a good time. Uh, so we got there, took that microdose of LSD. I was walking around... And knowing when cross lights are about to go, and uh, we got there on Friday around 2, early checked in, checked into our stuff. First thing we did was grab a slice of pizza and the most potent daiquiri I could find. And it was something called an ecstasy. It had like Everclear and... Uh, some type of rum. I think it was rum in it. And it was blue. And I liked the color because it was blue. Just like I was drinking these lights. Blue lights. <clears throat> and then uh, I had a little bit of ganja. Because you can. It's New Orleans. It was uh, Bourbon Street. And that was dirty fun. Um, that's per- a perfect way to describe Bourbon Street. Is dirty fun. We had some dirty fun, and then we went to, uh, like, Louis, it was, um, yeah, Louis Armstrong's park. Right, um, somewhere. You just look it up. And it was one of the oldest drum circles. You know, I talked about that drum circle from last episode. Well, I went to it again, and there's a tour guide, and he was actually giving it. But the cool thing about this park, I, I left my mark on it. Um, they had, like, gravel rocks. And I guess a storm happened a couple days before, but there's a long, like, thick tree branch of a, of a, of a branch, long tree branch of a branch. And I picked it up and I started, like, just drawing these huge-ass portraits in, in the sand dirt. And I wonder if they're still there. And I hope they are still there because I drew them as big as possible. I signed them and everything. Um, that was a good time. And then day two. Oh, the whole time though in New Orleans, I went to sleep every single night before midnight 
adult and baby, I think I made it. I think I made it to the point where I could go to a a well-known party city and go to sleep before midnight. Three nights in a row. Fuck with me. You think you think you can beat that? <clears throat> Probably so. All you have to do is just start earlier in the day. And uh, day two was fun. Oh no! So like, um, I did a, a mic, and it was at this barbecue joint in the side room. It was like a stage and and a drum kit. And, uh, people are fucking ruthless. You think, like, not even in a savage way. They just think you can get away with whatever they want. So this is Friday night, and, like, I know he's a tourist because he's just looking around. I, uh, found the host. Just, you know, did did the sign-up thing, waiting, hanging out. And then this guy, thing, he's a, he was friends with a comic from Boston. Definitely an open micer. And he just got up on stage and just tried to start the show as the new host. Like, I don't know. I know you're from Boston, but damn, way to keep up the stereotype, dude. Come on, guy. That's a terrible Boston impersonation. And so he immediately got kicked off the stage. And he was like, well, I thought it was supposed to start at 9. And he's like, well, I'm late. And your name's not on the flyer. Now guess what, buddy? You're not going up. And he didn't go up. And then, uh... I was second. This one dude tried to tell jokes, like, as a a ghost keeper. Like, think of, um... These old haunted... Uh, not, not haunted. These old Halloween, like, statues. You know, those, like, statues of decorations statues that you can buy for halloween and you press whatever panel it's on and you press the button and they like say a word and it's almost like it's not life-size but they're over four feet and uh thing it was like an evil like butler shady butler of like a butler that would take care of a house even though the family has died many moons ago and uh, it's all run down. He's the only one that lives in the house. He has like four pieces of hair that are hanging down to his shoulders. Uh, missing teeth. Crooked fingers. You get the... He was doing a personation of that guy. But trying to do jokes. And no one got it. And then I had to follow that disaster. And no one got it. Now some people got it. And it was a good one. It was a good... Test to see what the show uh, Saturday that I was on was going to be like. And one of the comics in the back was just mean mugging me. I don't know if uh, something crawled up her ass or anything, but I didn't get it. So that was just going through my head the whole time. It's like, why uh, why are you disapproving? You're hearing laughs, but you're like just shaking your head. I didn't say anything. I was just talking about, you know, come come see me uh, February 12th if you're in San Antonio to see what I was talking about. And um, so that was fun. And then that was Friday night. Boom, went to sleep before midnight. Saturday, woke up around 8.20. 
stayed in bed till about nine woke got up um did the whole i went uh oh art museum the fucking new orleans art museum is so underrated now that they opened now that they opened the third story like it only used to be two stories but then they opened a third one with like um oceanic art and african art and indian art and uh mesoamerica i think that's a word i'm pretty sure you know the mexican arts (laughs) and they were fascinating they were so old so old everything was so old how could you how could you have some or found something and dated it from 500 bc it's like all wrinkly and it feels all majestic. I don't know if it was because the city or I was in, but like the gorgonic eyes of the African mask. And they were like from like West Africa. You had some from uh, North West Africa um, that you had some from like Egypt. And then the stuff that really blew my mind that I didn't know much about was this oceanic art. The people from... The ancient people from, like, um, you know, the Philippines off the islands of Japan. All they knew was water. And they were so old. And they could just carve this shit out of wood. And then they, the first task was like, all right, cut down this tree. Second task, hollow it out. Third task, make it float. Fourth task, Make it sleek so we can get some speed, you know. And then fifth test, this looks boring. Let's design the fuck out of it. And they can scarve, like, these different type of fish and, like, these dolphins and um, mind-blowing stuff that they were only, that they were able to do with only tools. I don't see how Native Americans could fit tiny little, tiny little beads to make, like, a whole blanket. It's just very, it's like craftsmanship. It's definitely an art. And uh, now that New Orleans Art Museum has that, it's like, it's a must go. They had these uh, Picassos that I've never seen before. They had uh, Modigliani that I've never seen before. Um, Like, they have some cool things. They have a couple John uh, Miro's. Like the subconscious painting surrealist guy uh spanish dude and uh that was very i just got into him they had this one badass kandinsky that's a guy that uh dropped out of law school to paint what he thinks orchestras sound like the and it works especially when you're looking at that shit on on um hallucinogenics like that it's just all floating and it transcends fucking space itself. It takes you inside the painting. You're in a soup. Um, and then there we went outside and we saw a guy blowing huge ass bubbles. Walked through the sculpture garden. Saw a blind lady in the sculpture garden and didn't know... What to think about that? I guess she was just walking a path. 
or I don't know how blind she was, but I thought like a blind lady in a sculpture garden, what is there to look at? And uh, saw some, I didn't know Renee Magritte, another surrealist painter, also sculpted something. It was like a tree stump and an axe, something that <clears throat> I would never think he would have done. Uh, so, and then that was their whole park, and, uh, we have very uh, great conversations with our Lyft drivers, each one was a local, and they told us something different, um, I didn't know the city of New Orleans was actually built on top of water, I know it's below sea level, but it's on top of water as well, and that makes sense, like, I knew they couldn't bury underground because it floats up um and then we ate went to frenchman street watched live music drank some more it was a different type of vibe it was clean fun is how i would describe frenchman street where you get to just like walk up and down listen to um live jazz music you know dance your little heart out and um, oh, but before that, I went to, I did a show. Yeah, that's right. Saturday night, I did the show at the Always Lounge um, on the east end, the southeast end of New Orleans. And that show was super hot fire. There was probably about like 90 to 110 people packed in this bar lounge and, um... The crowds were great. You had comics from Houston. You had comics from New York. You had a comic from Phoenix. And the headliner was, was fantastic. I'm sorry, I forgot her name. I think it was like Jenny. Uh, but she crushed. Like, there's some serious talent down there in New Orleans. It's a good place that I would want to spend like uh, three, three, two to three months there. See what, what could happen. I uh, Mark yeah, Mark Norman's from there. Um and Patton also well, maybe not. Someone else. Sean. It's at the tip of my tongue. Another well known comic is from New Orleans. You you could uh, find some serious some serious stage time. A good grime and grind in New Orleans is what you can develop. Very dirty city. And so I did the show, and after the show, these these gentlemen uh, wanted to hang out, and I was like, "Bet we're actually going to Frenchman Street. You want to walk us to Frenchman Street?" And they're like, "Oh my God, we're going to Frenchman Street!" And I was like, "Cool, I know on Frenchman Street there's this hot dog place." It's like, "Oh my God, dude, I work at the hot dog place." It's like, "Let's go there." And get a drink and they're like all right and i'm like all right and everyone else is like all right so we start walking there and uh one of the random guys that was in the crowd originally took a phone call and it was on the phone for about 34 minutes and then at the end like you just hear him say random things like Okay, if God invented Earth, who invented God? 
You would just hear him say random things like that. Yeah, hallucinogen- hallucinogenic mushrooms gave me the same feeling as religion gave me. I've done them both. You just random things like that. The square root of eight is, is, uh, the square root of 64 is eight something. Something like that. Just random things he would say. And then at the end of it, we're like, who were you talking to for so long? And why were you having those weird conversations? And he said, oh, a 14-year-old girl tried to prank call me. Ert. Excuse me? Picture um a disc scratching and a 14-year-old girl tried to prank call me. You were talking to a 14-year-old girl this whole time? Come on, man. That's kind of creepy. You're a grown man. Yeah, but she was trying to convert me to God, and I had to tell her otherwise. Use a use a hipster. Just say God's not real. Read a book, and go on about your day. And then uh, hit, lit up Frenchman Street. Uh, supported some local artists and jewelry makers. Um, they had a a nice little. What's it called? They had some nice... um, It's like a tiny market. (laughs) I'll call it a tiny market. They had a nice tiny market and um, with some cool artwork and everything. Walked through that. um, Started to get a massive eye ache. I think I got a hangover midday. And so, again, went to sleep before 12 midnight. And then Sunday, woo, Sunday was a doozy. Um, Woke up, ate breakfast, still feeling groggy. It was rainy, cold. It's like something was in the air. I think all across America, Sunday, something was in the air. And um, so started my day, did that. Took a nap, got woken up by my watch vibrating when I get major updates. And a major update came in saying the passing of uh, Kobe Bryant has has uh, happened. And it was in a helicopter in Calabasas, California. And as you, as you probably already know, which is very sad. Um, they... Like I don't, I, I wasn't a Lakers fan growing up, but I was for sure a Kobe Bryant fan and a Shaquille O'Neal fan, and I wasn't a Seventy Sixers fan, but I was sure an Allen Iverson fan. I wasn't a Raptors fan, but I was, but I was for sure like a Vince Carter fan. Like these '90s basketball players that I grew up with are the reason why I tried to stick with it so long. And just to see one of the great ones pass way too soon in a freakish way is just so sad to even, like, try to think about. People my generation would always argue that was... People my generation, that was our Michael Jordan. And, like, last game dropped 61. Like, that's... Phenomenal way to end your legacy. And he was just more. 
than that. Like he uh, supported the WNBA as well, which is uh, yeah, we should. I mean, if I read on Twitter, if you really want to like pay tribute to Kobe, then you'll support the WNBA as well, which is so sad because. His daughter died with him, and that's fucked up because that's, like, way gone way too soon. He said that she was better than he was at that age. Gone way too soon. You could have seen her carry on that legacy like she's talked about in an interview before. It's something that I admired my shot to be after. His work ethic when it came to, like, work out trying to outwork other people for your spot. The Mamba mentality, as people say, it's um, it all impacted me, especially growing up in the era I grew up in. Like I remember, me and the neighborhood friends would all come together to play pickup games in somebody's driveway, and we would all pretend to be one of the NBA players, and I was Kobe. I would, I would switch between Kobe and Iverson. And it's just like gone that way is horrible. And the nine other people, that's also horrible. One of them was uh, old baseball player and coach for the University of Houston. That's so close to here. That is here. It caused a shock through the nation. Um, gone way too soon. But I, I hope he rests in peace. I know he... He passed with a, a loved one in his arms. So I hope they, when their last seconds, I hope they knew how much they were loved by everybody. I'm glad in a kind of sick way that if they had to go out, they went out that way together. Because um, no, most people, they die alone and they don't know when it's going to happen. And they didn't know it was going to happen either, but they were together and... I hope that brought them some comfort in their uh, final moments. But rest in peace, Kobe. I will always uh, say that uh, Kobe when I'm throwing trash, a ball into a trash can. That's that's not going to change. And that's how I'll pay tribute. Because lately when I have been doing that, I've made every single one. So that must tell you something. And then you have these like weirdos. That are like way into dark humor more than you would even think could be possible. Like just way too soon jokes. Which I get. I mean, hey, if you can make it funny, make it funny. But uh, stuff like wasn't soon enough and fuck them and stuff like I'm glad. Because she... I'm picking my nose. That's fucking gross. With I'm just like it feels like I'm talking out loud now. Uh, well, that's exactly what I'm doing, Nick. Good observation, buddy. Now, what were you talking about? Oh yeah, it's talking about uh, shit. I completely forgot. I was on to something. Oh, way too soon jokes. They think they can get away with it, and they use it in the name of comedy. When I get it, like I am a comic, dark humor is a. I laugh at dark humor as well, but I didn't laugh at one single Kobe Bryant joke. None of them. I think we're good. Maybe one. 
and it was comparing it to um, the meat. And I thought it was it was good wordplay, but still too soon of a Kobe joke. And it was weird because he turned it on himself. Like he, he was standing for the issue. But people saying that, oh, I'm glad, fuck him. That's so, like, how, but how, do you know, he, he did, because he, uh, settled a case in two, early, like, what, 2003? And it was a serious case, but it wasn't like OJ, and, and I feel like if, uh, he definitely paid his dues and he made up for any foul play that he might, that he, if I wasn't there, he, he probably done it. He apologized and they settled. There was some settlements. Uh, but what he did after that until he was gone was life changing to so many people that lived in, in LA. And, uh, just gone too soon. I feel sorry for his family and his close friends like Shaq and, and LeBron, even though I don't know these people. But, uh, yeah, you see them. You see them on the TV and they play sports good. But I just grew up watching them. I grew up playing his character in NBA 2K games. It's just a sad, sad thing. And that's uh, how my Sunday morning went. And then Sunday night, I uh, got, it was my last night in New Orleans. I was like, okay, might as well go really hard in New Orleans. And dude, there's this building there. The uh, I did not hear this news, but the Hotel uh, Hard Rock Cafe or the, the Hard Rock Hotel and Cafe thing, you know what I'm talking about. The, the hotels with the guitars on them. Uh, the one in New Orleans completely collapsed. It collapsed hard. It could, like, fucking building collapsing is no joke when it was being constructed. It was, uh, about 15 stories. I know three people died. Two of them are still in there. One body was recovered. Two bodies are still in there needed to be recovered. And legend has it that you could see the feet of one of the construction people squished in between all the rubble. And as I was talking to a Lyft driver, he was describing that the city officials are shady there in New Orleans. Who would have guessed that government could be shady sometimes? And uh, he said that they think that one of them, you know, might have taken a payment to these contractors to cut corners to try to build it faster, to try to get it up faster, try to bring more people in. And he said that they didn't wait till the concrete completely dried and it ended up squishing three people. Right. And so they have these cranes there, these like 500 foot cranes just dangling in the air. And you put them on top, and I was like, well, we can't retrieve the bodies until we get these dangerous cranes moved out the way. Here's a good idea. Let's put explosive on them and blow them up. And that's exactly what they did, dude. 
they blew up these cranes and one crane it did its job the the explosive the explosives did do their job it blew the crane away from the building one crane boom done good job second crane uh, somebody might have miscalculated the explosive and the trajectory of this a thousand pound crane falling but it landed on top of the fallen part on the building and now it's just dangling above canal street waiting to fall at any moment causing like blocks and blocks to be blocked off and it's just fucking weird I've never seen anything like that. And like they needed another haunted place in New Orleans to begin with. <sighs> and so I was just fascinated by that building. Because it's right there in the French Quarter. Right there in downtown. Right there off of Canal Street. The whole time. I was just waiting for the crane to fall. And wake me out of my deep blackout sleep. That's exactly what happened Sunday. I don't. I can't tell you the whole night, but me and my lady, we danced our little hearts out. We drank fish bowls, and we did like we were like, okay, might as well go hard. Let's just have this dirty fun. We had our Frenchman fun. We had our clean fun. We had our classy day. Now let's just indulge into the sin of New Orleans. And uh, we tried to get all the popular drinks. You know the hurricane. Pat, o <laughs> Pat O'Brien, you know, the head coach. It's like Bill O'Brien's brother, Pat O'Ryan, or Briley. Fucking the guy that invented the hurricane with the pianos and shit. And then uh, that was pretty cool. Got sloshed out there and then got grenades and a fishbowl. Went to a strip club, got invited to join the cartel, said yes, and then woke up and forgot I said yes and... Uh, haven't heard from those dudes since. So if I'm gone next week, you come find me. Because he's like, hey, you want to make 50000 a month? And I was like, dude, you're bullshitting me right now, so I'm going to play along. So yes. But uh, when I woke up, I was like, I think I joined the cartel, and I don't know if he was bullshitting me. So I should stop saying yes to things so much. But this strip club was sad. It was sad, just like these girls moping around. Mm-hmm. Hey, honey, you want a, you want a lap dance? Can you smile? I'll pay you twenty dollars to smile. No, honey, sugar baby, but I want to use my butt cheeks. <laughs> well, I can't enjoy your butt cheeks without a smile on your face. It makes me feel like I'm the weird one, and um. Went to, um, after that, went to, uh, a, a, like a little, it wasn't a nightclub, but it, they were playing music and that you could like just, some of it was like, uh, you know, grinding your hips music and some of it was just like jumping up and down. I really don't know how to dance, so I don't know that it wasn't salsa or waltzing or anything like that, but it was generic bar club music. And I lived th- by the advice, um, dance like nobody's watching. And that's exactly what I did. And oh my god, it was so much fun. I, I haven't had that rush 
or that sense of freedom in a while. It's like dance like, yeah, for sure. Why not dance like nobody's watching? Who cares? Everyone's here is doing the same thing. CNN. Oh, I love getting these CNN updates because you know that they're just pulling on the hearts of the American public so they can try to fool you into uh, whatever propaganda they'll believe. But also Fox News does the same thing. So um, I'm just wondering what's going on. Uh-oh. Another person has died. Some uh, serial killer that's killed his deranged wife. Alright, but that was my Sunday night, and then I uh, supposedly tried to take a bath with my clothes on. It was a fun night. Woke up Monday, drove back five hours, and uh, had a blizzardy blast in New Orleans. Thank you so much for having me in that city. Um, If you now tune in to this, uh, met some great comics and some great locals there, listened to amazing music, uh, got the vibe of the... You know, the heebie-jeebie spiritual stuff. Everything that I wanted to do is done. It ate good food. New Orleans is a dope city. Go visit if you can. And uh, that's that's that was my weekend. It was just different things going on. It was a weekend of up and down emotions. Had arguments out there. Made amends out there. Made up out there. Made love out there. It was just, New Orleans is always a great place and a good time. Every time I've been, it's been memory after memory. Sometimes you stay in Airbnb, sometimes you stay in hotels. Sometimes you stay in somebody's backyard, sometimes you stay at a Best Western. Not a regular Western, but the Best Western. The Western family had two sons. And one of the sons started a hotel business called The Western. And the parents loved them. They praised this one for making a hotel chain, The Westerns. But there was a jealous one, a jealous brother, that wanted to one-up them. And God damn it, you bitch, he did. He did one-up him, and he made the chain, as we know, the best Western. Rivals from the East want to take it down, but you know what? He infiltrated the East, and there's the best Westerns in the East. You don't see any good Easterns, and that's stupid observational humor. That is stupid jokes, but the story might be true. I would like to believe it's true that he had a brother that was jealous of him, so he like named himself uh, the best Western. And uh, that's probably not what happened at all, but... In my mind, that's where it exists. In some infinite parallel universe, that's where it, it that story exists exactly. And I can't talk now. I can't say my E. Too many E's next to each other gives me trouble. Um, dude. And then I had to come back to work the next day. Like, after I got back, uh, I was real low on money, went to back to work to try to make a couple bucks here and there, and I don't know if y'all have ever waited tables before, or if you've ever been in, like, um, 
a restaurant industry or bar industries, um, but they have these things before shift called the pre-shift. A place where you don't get paid to be there. You have to show up before the restaurant opens to get motivated. They're supposed to be inspiring speeches. They pump you up sometimes. It might, I don't know, it did when I was like 20 working there. I could see where they're coming from. But now that I'm older, wiser, better looking, and I'm back. It's like, this is one big facade to trick you into not walking out on us, please. Donate yourself. We're here to motivate you. Don't hate this job. It's it's not it's a trick, and you're not fooling me. I'm only there for one reason, and that's to make money. Don't bother me other otherwise, unless you're helping me make money there. And so this particular pre shift was a motivational type, whereas comparing uh I think his last name's like Wilco, like John Wilco or something. He's a military combat marine guy. And, uh, they, you know, they were comparing serving tables to military tactics. Since that's the same (laughs) in so many ways. Let's wait tables and at the same time, let's compare it to, you know, war. I get it. Yeah, in some ways it translates. You got to take responsibility for the things that uh, you are in control of and that are around you. Example, if I see uh, a dirty plate, I should take that dirty plate. If I'm in war, if my guy next to me is out of bullets, I'm going to give him more bullets. How is that the same? They're strapped to the nine. They got these M16s. They got these vests. They got these extra rounds. They got these helmets. They got this technology. They're strapped to the gills, dude. You know what I'm strapped with? I'm just strapped with a pin and an apron. You got to take responsibility of the things around you because if you don't, your enemy's going to exploit that. True if you're in warfare, but enemies while I'm serving tables, who is my enemy? The people that don't pay 20%. The people that go in there and be like, hey... Let me know when I'm at $20 because I got this $20 gift card and that's all. Oh, so you mean I'm working for free right now because in America they have this weird thing where like uh, restaurant CEOs can pay their, they can pay their employees $2.13. So they can. Some of them don't. Some of them give them more than that, which kudos. You are call, You are starting a movement. Because as automation becomes a thing, they're going to start seeing that, but they're going to see, ooh, I can automate a fryer? Um, yeah. It's going to save me how much over the years compared to paying them a decent wage? Okay, I'm going with this. But hey, man, I don't think servers will ever be like... There might be one restaurant that will give it a go, and people will go there for that 
particular reason, oh, my server was a legit robot. But most people will probably see this wave coming and be like, where can I go to have human interactions? Oh, bars and restaurants. I'll talk to my server. I'm sorry, this is so unprofessional, but everyone keeps texting me right now. They know exactly what I'm doing, but do they care? No. I'm just kidding. They care deeply. They're letting me know what was the situation. I'm appreciative of people that can communicate. But what was I talking about? Oh. Oh. Yeah, paying uh, servers better. Because I don't think that happens in, um, like, Europe. I know they don't tip, though, but all their servers are getting paid um, a living wage. Bring it over here, mate. I don't know what this means, but I had a dream that Cinderella's fairy godmother was from a, a ghetto. And she did not play Cinderella's bullshit. Suck it up. Hard work gets you out of the situation. You don't see my situation. It was a fucking weird dream. It's like, I want to go to the ball, though, Fairy Godmother. You're here to help. Well, boo-hoo, you white devil. I want to get out of poverty. And that's sad because she fucking lives in the castle. She can do something about it. Like, how would that even be a thing? Why would they get a... Why would she be assigned to her? I'll make you glass slippers. But keep it away from a pipe or a flame. Because it's the wrong type of glass. Because that's the only way I can make money. Because your goddamn father that owns this castle doesn't know the trickle-down effect. Or he knows about it, but you know. He doesn't really like talking about it. So I'm glad you're up here alone, Cinderella. And I hope you smoke your slippers and bug out. And then you'll get crazy strong and you'll go to the ball. And the prince will still fall in love with you because you were you were cute. You were hot. You were a hot drawing. I'll say it. <laughs> Whoa, I don't really, um, I don't really think Cinderella's fairy godmother was from Compton. We've all seen the movie. She was from Miami. <laughs> what a fairy godmother, Cinderella's fairy godmother was from Miami and she just like got back like bibbity bobbity Boo, bitch, I'm back, and now you want me to take care of your problems. I was just sunbathing on the coast of Miami, doing cocaine off my fucking wand. I never put together so much spells in one time. Cuban studs, one after another, let's go. I'm the fairy godmother. This shit's lit, like the tip of my wand. Now hit this bump, dude, we're in Miami. And now she's in the freaking... What is it? Magical? Uh, where is Cinderella from? New York? Modern day Cinderella's probably from New York. I think that was a, a movie too. Cinderella lost in New York. 
Fairy Godmother takes a vacation from Cinderella's bullshit and goes to Miami. I don't know. It was a weird week for sure. But it was a it was a, had a lot of emotions. I think it was a perfect storm where it had everything and uh made me made me appreciate life, made me respect or reminisce on my childhood. Um rest in peace Kobe. You will be missed, man, but people will carry on your legacy and uh don't I hope uh, that that will never be in vain or anything. He he changed he changed the game and he changed the world. I played basketball for eleven years. Uh, that that really made an impact on you know my my athletic mentality. And other than that, just you know, follow me. Uh, this is the end of the show. Don't know how to end it from here. So. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. It's a fourth hand media production. Go to fourthhand.com and look up all the other podcasts. You can find me on uh, Not Today Satan podcast with JP um, Doyle and on Instagram at Nixacomic. N I C K S C O M I C. Follow me on Twitter at Necklace Peach. Um, Shit, that reminded me. On Twitter, I posted something and it's getting um, some attention. It's uh, one of the high school choir teachers, the choir director, uh, somebody that I've has taken his class two years. So I know this guy got arrested in my hometown for prostitution. Let the dude get his jizz on, man. I just hope it wasn't in A minor. Which is funny joke. I like that joke. Might be sticking with it. Uh, but it's a joke to say the least. There was no minor involved. Hate that I have to uh, explain that. But you could see that content on Twitter. Necklace Peach. N-E-C-K-L-E-S-S Peach. P-E-A-C-H. Our Facebook, Nick Bermea. Upcoming shows, San Antonio. Um, it's San Antonio is... Um, um, a city that I'll have a show in on the 12th. I'm pulling up my calendar right now. And then you can see me at the secret group. The 20. I hate I hate me so much. I don't have my planner. And this is important to me because February is going to be busy. So, um. Please don't hit that clicker or skip on yet. <laughs> I'm going to fill the empty space with random nonsense. You can uh, see the show the 28th, February 28th. So San Antonio, February 12th. Um, Secret group, February 28th. I got one in Galveston and in Houston. Um, I'm looking that up right now. I uh, the seventh. Cool. Secret group Galveston seventh San Antonio the twelfth and uh, secret group again the twenty eighth. I think I'll no. I got dropped from that show. Damn it! But uh. 
I'll be back sooner rather than later. You can guarantee that. Follow me on Instagram is where I'm at most. Uh, help me hit uh, 800 followers now because you, you've been with me from the beginning. So let's tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that uh, I'm getting out my comfort zone, baby. I'm bringing you more content. I'm feeling better about posting things. I'm not getting in my shell. You can buy some paintings if you want to see that. Let's meet up. Let's have a drink. Let's have fun. You can uh, message me and we can talk some shit, talk conspiracies, listen to the other podcast. That's it for now. Thanks. Uh, Smoke weed every day. Bye. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.